acknowledge any of them that you feel comfortable with, um, please go ahead and share. Okay. Um, my name is Tiffany. Currently, I stay at home with my twin toddlers. Um, I grew up in Hampton, Virginia, but I currently live in American Canyon, California, which is in Napa County. I think that covers it. I mean, previously I was in, um, I worked in restaurants for a long time and in the wine industry. And I also worked in the solar industry, uh, managing an office and, and teaching people about solar. Incredible. And, um, if you could give us your experience, like what was your first encounter with an MLM? Okay. So my aunt Sandy was with Mary Kay and, I want to say I was probably five or six years old when she started in Mary Kay, but I'm not particularly close with that aunt or uncle. So I saw them occasionally and I did um, experience her Mary Kay room, which was an entire bedroom of the house completely filled with products. Um, And so she did Mary Kay and I definitely did not know uh, what an MLM was when I was that age. When I was a little bit older, as a young teenager, I did go to her house for one of her makeup parties, you know, like you do, uh, they offer the the free facials, the pampering day, which is really, you know, using a little bit of Mary Kay products, but then they want you to buy things. Um, She was kind to me since I was a teenager and did not yet have a job. I was probably 13. She told me that if I wanted any products, she would sell them to me at 50% um, of cost, which is what she paid, I'm pretty sure. So that's fine. That was not a predatory um, situation. Um, And she did end up with uh, Pink Cadillac for a while. And when I moved away from Virginia to California and was old enough to work, I guess about 19, she called me and tried to recruit me to work for her. And I declined because I just wasn't prepared for that. I was in school full time and work full time and there was no time for anything else. So she's no longer with Mary Kay. I'm not sure why I've never asked, but that was my, my first experience for sure. Awesome. And then tell us about how MLM sort of re-entered your life. What were sort of like, what were you doing at that time? Where were you living? Where were you working? Um, You talked about how you were working at a restaurant and sort of like the GM's wife was also a Mary Kay representative. Um, That's correct. Yeah. yeah. After my husband and I got married, we were living in in Redwood City in California. It was just not affordable to stay down there. So we actually moved um, about an hour and a half north where we could afford to buy a home. And... I helped open a brand new restaurant in Napa Valley. And so the, the chef and owner, his wife worked or used to work with Mary Kay. I also don't know why she's left at this point, but she would bring up, um, she would bring up Mary Kay to all of the females in the restaurant on a regular basis. And then even try and convince the guys to, you know, buy products for their wives or girlfriends or their mothers or, you know, you know how the list goes. You can sell it to the bus driver, apparently. Um, so she kept talking about it. And I have always loved to wear makeup since I was a little girl. So I thought maybe if I sign up for it, at least I would get some decent makeup at, at a discounted price. But I never had any intention of 
being aggressive with my friends or family to convince them to either A, buy for me, B, throw a party for me, or definitely not B, work for me as part of my downline was never my goal. So I did end up signing up with her and, and giving it a shot, but it kind of just got, it kind of got ugly pretty quickly. So <laughs> what, before you signed up, what types of promises did she make? Like, did she explain the time commitment? Did she explain sort of the, the role? And like you had, you obviously had knowledge, prior knowledge of, of Mary Kay and MLM. So I feel like you were probably a little bit wiser than the average bear, but talk to us about that. I feel like um, for her, she had been trying to become a director with Mary Kay for so long that maybe she saw each uh, mark, if you will, as somebody who could just help her finally get there. I mean, she possibly had 15 or 20 women in her downline. So if enough product was ordered in a month period, then she would she would finally get to have the, the Mary Kay car, which is vastly changed um since my aunt was in you know 30 years ago I guess but um I I think that was her focus because she knew I mean I worked for her husband full-time so I'm not sure what else she expected but she did expect me and and asked me to take Tuesdays off so that I could be available for the Mary Kay local meeting um what would you talk about at the local meeting what's there to talk about (laughs) Um, sales techniques and new products and whoever it is that's doing really well is somebody that would be standing in front of all the women explaining how they sell as much as they sell. And, and these women for sure are, um, very predatory. So it was the director's daughter that was, uh, you know, standing up there telling us all, not to take no for an answer kind of thing. Like after you do a party, you're supposed to sit people down and, and essentially use questions that force them to place an order with you, which is something that I was never planning on doing. Right. Um, And they're also friendly at first. Like they want you to believe that this is a, almost a support group, you know, a, a, a pack of women that are going to support you and hold you up. But as soon as, the director realized I was not going to be, you know, 110% into making Mary Kay life my dream. Um, she got real nasty with me about just either not being available or not working enough or not placing enough product orders or. Even um, though you told her like, hey, I have a full-time job. I'm really just in this care. for the makeup discount. She just didn't care. She thought yeah, she could still I, convert you further. Well, and so, and so this is the director of that particular office, but my upline, my upline never harassed me in that sense, but she did harass me to place orders. So it was just really, it was just really unusual. I wasn't prepared for the, for the switch, you know, they're like, you go to these meetings and they, they treat you like you're part of some new family. And then all of a sudden when they realize you're not going to, um, I guess, make their pocketbook grow, then you're no longer worth it to them. I didn't expect them to be so mean, though. When did that Hmm. shift happen? Well, with the director, it happened pretty quickly because I I did not list that I was a Mary Kay consultant on my voicemail, so that bothered her. 
And I think I missed a meeting because I did have to work and another time because I was sick. So those were things that bothered her. And then the larger shift for me happened when I made a trip back home to Virginia to see my family. Um, my mother passed away in 2010 and this was 2014. I told my, my upline, I'm going to see my family um, and I'm actually going to be able to sit down with everyone and have lunch on my mom's birthday. And I was really excited to be able to do that. And I told her about that and all she could ask me was, so you're not going to be at the meeting on Tuesday? Well, definitely not. And then while I was in Virginia trying to see the family that I only get to see once a year, she sent me six Facebook messages, uh, another, you know, 10 Facebook notifications, 10 text messages for voicemails, um, pressuring me to place an order by the end of the month so that she could reach whatever goal she was trying to reach to get her car. And I thought I was friends with this woman and that she had listened to me and knew that it was just really emotional time and just really special that I could be with my family on my mom's birthday, even though she was gone. And it became pretty evident to me that she did not care about me as a person at all. So I I had to bail out. <laughs> was she successful in getting any of the other restaurant employees to join the downline and join Mary Kay? I don't think so. Um, I mean, since I... So, so I was smart enough to really thoroughly read all of the paperwork before signing up. And I spoke with my husband about it because I, I did know that it was a large, um, it was a substantial, you know, financial purchase to start up with Mary Kay. Yeah, how much and was I, it? So it was almost $5,000 to start up with it. Fortunately, I have excellent credit, so it was not a big deal for me to to secure what I needed, but I thought if for some reason this doesn't work out or I can't randomly move product through, um, through my online page or things like that, or just through doing some parties, then I know what I need to do to send my product back. And Mary Kay will allow you to send product back within 12 months, as long as everything is in its original packaging. So I think that I only was in for four or five months tops um, because she got so nasty with me and I thought we were friends. As soon as I got back from my Virginia trip, I started um, packaging everything up, boxing it all back up. I kept all of the packaging receipts and all of the original packaging and I sent it all back and I even ended up leaving um, that restaurant that I was working at because it just got really uncomfortable. And I could even tell that the chef was disappointed in his wife. And it's, uh, it's just a bummer because it was my, one of my first like uh, friendship experiences moving away from an area I was used to, you know, they, all of these MLM companies, they talk it up like it's going to be some, some community of women that support each other, but it is, it is exactly the opposite. This was supposed to be like a little, like not even side hustle. Like you just wanted some cheaper makeup and then it ended up so like permeating your life that you not only had to like stop doing this to get cheaper makeup, but you had to leave your whole job and you were living on a brand new coast. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm all fired up for you, Tiffany. Um, okay. So anyway, <laughs> talk to me about, okay. So we talked about your 
direct your upline and uh we got that covered you know it would be great if you could tell me more if you could remember because this was like you said six years ago but if you could remember what that first meeting was like and maybe try to think of some of the language of how they like welcomed you and sort of if you can remember some of the phrasing that they used to um sort of indoctrinate you or welcome you can you remember at all um, that's going to be hard. It's going to be a little bit hard, but I do remember just walking into the meeting and let me think of how many women were there, maybe like 10 to 15. And most of them had been with Mary Kay for a while. I think there was only one other new consultant, if you will. And I don't know, they tried to, it, it's like they treated us like a mixture between like a Barbie doll where they were just trying to like give us compliments and tell us how nice everything was, you know, your shoes, your purse, your outfits, your hair, your makeup, et cetera. Um, and then, and then just really a large buildup of what an amazing, um, community it is to be a part of Mary Kay. And it's so superficial because in the end, uh, none of them were really supportive. <laughs> right. Okay, so the, the, the verbiage I forget, unfortunately, but I, I do don't worry about a it. lot of people sending like uh, I my my actual director and my upline I never even met in per- person. She lives in Fallbrook, California, and she she's still in and she does very well with Mary Kay apparently, and she would always send me um, emails and Facebook Messenger things of like you know marketing materials to put on my Facebook page, um, to try and drum up business. So that was her, what she was always doing. How much money were you able to recoup of that five grand? I held two very small parties and made a little bit of sales and my, um, I feel guilty. Um, but my, my stepmother-in-law, that's a mouthful, um, she really enjoys the Mary Kay products and has for so many years. So she purchased some things for me and I used some things. So I'd say I close to broke even um, as far as being able to have some makeup products for myself and selling just enough that since I sent everything back in the nick of time and had all my packaging, I don't know that I really lost much money, but I feel like one of the lucky ones in that sense from the other stories I've heard from, from other friends. You're absolutely one of the lucky ones for sure. Like the best thing that could happen is that you just break even from these um, because we know that no one makes money in the long run. Um, it's impossible, but okay, perfect. So um, we talked in our first phone call about how your upline wanted you to purchase a bunch of inventory. Um, you said something about the, it's easier to sell the more stock that you have. Could you just walk that back? Yeah. So it was my, my upline, you know, signed me up, but then it was, I actually did a phone call with her director, the woman who lives in Fallbrooks. And she explained to me that, um, for example, something like foundation, um, we all have different skin tones. So if you don't carry more than a certain set of skin tones, then you don't have product on hand to sell to somebody who needs product or wants product. And 
I mean, it's, it's a good tactic. It made sense to me. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm white. <laughs> I know what color I wear and I have a, you know, I live in California. There's everyone is here. Um, <laughs> so it made sense to me that I would need a variety of different colors to offer to other women if they wanted them. Um, so I, I kind of went along with it. I don't remember the, the various packages that Mary Kay offers when you start up. Um, but I think I did buy one of the most expensive ones. So I don't really have, <laughs> I can't really explain why I did that, but it made sense to me at the time. I mean, what did your upline tell you that you were going to make money off of this, that it was going to be easy, that it was going to be passive income? Of course. And you know what she also did? She even sent me a box of some of her foundations and I should have, I should have, I see that a different way now. You know, when I started, um, I thought, wow, that's very sweet of her to share with me some of her products that I can make money off of. But in reality, this woman's sitting on piles of products. And so this is a tactic for her as a director to send product out to new consultants to make them feel like they're welcome and part of a community and that they can, you know, really be successful with the help of their director and their upline. And, you know, it was kind of like, she basically did my order for me. Like I chose the package, which is a dollar amount or something. And she chose all of the different things, like the variety of uh, like skincare packages and lipsticks and glosses, and shadows, et cetera. Um, she picked all of that out and then sent me what she described to be, you know, like a few outliers on foundations and things like that, like either super, super light or super, super dark um, colors that that are not often um, asked for. So I thought, wow, that's really sweet of her. But now I realize she's just sitting on a ton of stuff so she can make herself look good by sending me a box of things that she can't sell. <laughs> Right. And anything that you bought, like all of the, the foundations of all the colors of the world, every purchase that you made, your upline got a piece of it. So she was Definitely. making she was making money off of it. She was selling to she, you. She was. But then, of course, I sent everything back. So they were definitely um, they definitely received a, a deduction from that. Yeah. But, um, and then it's just, you know, it's I feel so foolish now. And I know that there are. Uh, loads, you know, tons of different brands of makeup and skincare products on the market. And the more research that I do backed by, you know, dermatologists and, and skincare professionals, these MLM skincare products are just insanely overpriced. I mean, for the products that they are, you can certainly go buy, you know, better items or less where, you know, people argue, oh, I'm in an MLM or I work for Mary Kay. It's not a, there's no middleman. That's why I can offer these amazing um, skincare products at a lower price. But it's just not the truth at all. There is no amazing price when you're making 50% off your friends and family and anybody else you meet. <laughs> we've, I told you, you're the last interview. So we've talked to academics, we've talked to like subject matter experts and MLMs all of the products, not just cosmetics, not just nutrition, like across the board are wildly expensive and have um, nothing's proprietary, right? So you could find right. all of these products at a department store all the way down to the CVS drugstore. So 
it's um it's immaterial really what they sell because it's really expensive and there's an equivalent to everything everywhere while you were in that four to five months um talk to me if you can about just how you were treated um she knew that your upline knew you had an, a full-time job so there was that commitment um but in our phone interview or phone call you said that um you weren't you didn't feel like a person you didn't feel like a person with real feelings and you just felt like you were a target uh expand on that please i mean at first i did not feel like a target um but it it evolved so this this particular woman that recruited me i considered her to be like-minded um i'm kind of a no bs type of person i i don't sugarcoat things i say what's on my mind and she's very receptive to things like that she's very similar so we got along very well uh we went out to dinner we went out to lunch we would have, you know, share a bottle of wine and things like that. And I, sorry, just one second. I, I went to her house after we had dinner one night and uh, she, she was responsible for the, the wine purchases at the restaurant that her husband owned. So we, we had some wine, probably too much wine, but I started telling her about how my mom died and I'm crying in her house and she starts crying with me and I'm like, you know, we're like, we're a little drunk, but this is fine. <laughs> we're getting along and I'm, I'm like sharing something that's super real for me. So for her to so strongly harass me when I made it clear how important it was that I got to be with my family on my mom's birthday, I'm like, who is this lady? Like, who does this to people? And I finally, I don't know when I responded. I was so annoyed from the get-go in Virginia when she started like sending me all these messages. I finally did respond and I'm like, you know, you have to remember I'm here with my family. This is, this is not Mary Kay time. And um, it was just wild. And that's, that's when you know you're not important. <laughs> when you share something that's that serious and then they just, they just pound you to place an order. So my, my mom's birthday is April 30th. So it's the last day of the month. And that's how Mary Kate does their things. They want you to, um, I, I can't remember exactly, but there's like qualifying orders. So when you're a director and you're, you're trying to, or when you're trying to become a director, anybody who's in your downline, they're counting all those monthly orders. And, and that's fine lady. If you want to drive whatever little car it is that they're, they're trying to get you to buy, but, I just, I just can't imagine making that a priority. Like, like, Hey, I need you to order $300 of lip gloss today or something crazy like that over caring about people, people's lives. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, but it's, it's real, you know? So like we can is. say I'm lucky because I didn't lose a bunch of money, but geez, like you, <laughs> we're just human, right? So everybody wants some type of, connection with other people you don't want to feel like a target like at work <laughs> it's it's just really odd the manipulation of these distributors and these mlms they really know no bounds i, I mean I, I thank you just so so much for for really opening up and going there because i know it's not an easy place to go to and 
you know, talking about loss and talking about times that you aren't super proud of in your life. Like, I thank you so much for going there. And I know it's not easy, but I thank you. You know, honestly, I'm totally fine. It's just the emotion is it's more tied to I'm going to just take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> the emotions more tied to um, just the loss itself. And then I think we've all been there in our lives, no matter whether it's MLM related or not, just thinking that you found a friend in a yeah. new place, but then they turn out to not be, you know, authentic or real or caring or any of those things. So that's part of it. But yes, absolutely. I am 100% um, talking to you right now because I don't want other people to be treated this way. And, and, and I've read a lot of horror stories about MLMs that um, go after, you know, women who either have, or maybe their children have, you know, various types of cancers and things like that. And they're trying to convince them, you know, maybe these will help you either prevent that, or maybe you can make money doing this while your child is having leukemia treatments. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. I'm from the South. You're supposed to like, go drop off a casserole and, and give them a hug. You're not supposed to ask them to sell makeup for you. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds a little pathetic, but you can't, you can't fix a lot of those things. You can't, you know, no, not be there for crap, people. You're like, not supposed to yeah, yeah. sell them leggings. Like, oh, come God. on. Okay. So, um, we figured out what made you leave. How soon after, um, was that it for you? It was, it was April 30th, your mom's birthday. And then you come back to California and then you tell her what? I don't remember exactly. I'm going to bet that I was mad enough that I just sent her a text because I didn't want to be nasty. So I think I just sent her a text and said, this is definitely not for me. And I'm, I'm just going to get everything packed up and shipped off. And she said, that's fine. And, um, I did it in May for sure. And I, and I quit my job. I started a different job and I don't think I saw her again until, um, I randomly saw her again, I think late August because I gave her the, um, I don't know what is it called? Like there's like a starter bag. Like it's this gigantic pink and black Mary Kay bags that you can carry to people's houses and when you want to do a party. And so I gave that to her and all of the samples that I had for whatever else she needed because I'm still trying to be friendly. And we had actually just met up after a, a 6.0 earthquake that happened a mile and a half from my house. And her her husband was, he almost had a piece of furniture fall on him while he was asleep. So oh my even God. still, you know, I'm like, I'm nobody's perfect. I'm definitely not perfect, but I try really hard to just to care about people. So I was concerned about them and their, their, you know, her and her husband and they have dogs and things like this. And so we met up and had brunch and I gave her those bags and that was, that was pretty much that. <laughs> Got it. How often were people sort of chirping at you? Was it daily, weekly? Um, were you a part of any type of like Facebook group or like group text? Because we've we've heard it all, but I would just love to get your take of you talked about how the community and how people said that like it was so, so positive, but they they say it in words, not through actions. Um, but if you could talk to us about the community that you were brought into and how often those people made touch points with you. There was definitely a Facebook group or a couple of them. I guess I was in the director's 
Facebook group and also my Upline Facebook group. They both did regular postings, trying to think. There wasn't a lot of group text. So the meetings were weekly. I made, I, I went to several, but I did not go every week. Um, I do have to say, this is like a little bit off the side of what you're asking, but the most unusual thing that I felt that I did, she wanted me to meet her <laughs> in the parking lot of Whole Foods and walk around trying to recruit people in the parking lot, like walk up to a random stranger trying to put their groceries in their car and, and give them a compliment about, you know, their hair or their shoes or their clothes or something and try to um, offer them a sample and offer them a, a complimentary facial, right? Um, which is just so unusual. And we even, she wanted to do it one time in a department store and I couldn't even be bothered to speak to anybody because I felt like the way we were walking around, like with her preying on people, I, I'm like, we look like shoplifters. This is so weird. Like <laughs> you're not supposed to walk around looking at people all weird and not at like the clothing. <laughs> Um, and I even told her that in front of her husband at work one day and he, he cackled, he couldn't stop laughing because I'm sure he also thought it was nuts. So, oh my gosh, the tactics to just try and go after people just really crazy. Um, <laughs> that is bonkers. We don't, I mean, we don't drive cars here in New York, but if like anyone came up to me, I like the whole foods. I mean, we are very, you know, cynical people here, but if anyone came up to me, I would be like, buzz off, like go away. That's horrible. Was, was there anything, I feel like 2014, that was kind of in like the, um, kind of the early days of mid to early days of social media. Were you asked at all to, was it incumbent on you to make daily posts or um, upload selfies wearing Mary Kay product or talk about how, you know, your life is so much better? Um, how were you instructed to use social media? I, I was not. Oh, you weren't? Thankfully. Okay. Nope. Cool. And it never would have worked for me. I, I, I'm, um, I'm a Facebook stalker, I guess. It sounds terrible, but I, I like, I'm in several groups that I enjoy and I like reading the post, very like unusual things. And I love to see my nieces and nephews because I have no family in this state. So I just, I like to scroll. I don't post hardly ever. I post the occasional picture of my children. I do not like taking pictures of myself. And so that absolutely never would have worked for me. It would have been the hardest no ever. <laughs> So I'm so thankful that they didn't ask me to do that. And you know, it sounds like you're definitely correct. I imagine if I had signed up last year, it would have been a different ball game. Oh, yeah. Um, we have people that tell us that you have to post between two to or three to five times a day of about your product and people sort of sneaking it in and trying to come up with these crafty ways to talk about the product. And it's just like dream on like no one wants this. Um, well, and that's such an incredible request when it's not like you're getting paid an hourly wage at all. So <laughs> no, these people are slaves to social media and uh, getting blocked along the way. That's actually how this podcast started. I got an exclusive that released all of these study findings, and the one that was just the most, you know, salient was that one in four Americans report that their social media feeds have been hijacked by these MLM independent distributors. And 
I talk to enough of these people and they're like, yeah, this is, I block everyone or I was blocked. And I mean, this is, this is why we're here. So you're very lucky. I feel like if you, like you said, if you had joined last year or even in like 2017 or something, your, your tune would be very different, um, which is great. Um, okay. So next question. So you, you dropped a, a hard word on our phone call and I would love for you to go back and talk about it. Um, you said that Mary Kay was like a cult. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, gosh, you know, I, um, (laughs) makes me laugh. Um, I don't, because it's been uh, a little bit of time, it's been six years. My, my memory's not super fresh, but there's a, like a mission statement and, and all these guidelines and Mary Kay really is pushing God first, God first and then family and then Mary Kay. And I don't know if, if a lot of these women actually go to church or read a Bible or, or whatever religion they're interested in, whatever their book of choice is. Um, it's just so unusual to me that they push that so hard in this country and, their tactics afterwards, how they treat people are for certain, the most unchristian like um, things I've experienced. And the, the cold part, it's just so like uh, <laughs> the director in Fairfield, one of the, the other most successful person underneath of her was actually her daughter. And oh gosh, I can't even believe that this other woman also got wrapped up into doing this. And I don't, don't know if they're still in or out or any of those things, but, this woman brainwashed her own daughter to come and convince her friends and her family and anybody that she could come into contact with ever that they need to be either a part of Mary Kay or purchasing Mary Kay. I guess I just can't imagine living my life that way. And I did mention to you previously that that I have been in sales, but it's just completely different. So I know a lot about sales techniques and tactics and, and ways to, train and teach not just uh employees or coworkers but but also customers i know all about that and even still i can't imagine living your life in such a way that you would convince your own daughter that this is the only way to make a decent living tell us more about the the differences like you said that you were a former sales professional and you've worked in hospitality too so you know exactly how sort of the right way and the wrong way to treat people to get a desirable outcome um tell us about your professional experience and then how mlms upend all of those principles and canons so i I could do like a like a cross example, like in a restaurant, for example, um, if you come in and you order a glass of wine and, uh, and a meal and your glass of wine is nearly empty as a server, it's considered suggestive selling to ask the customer if they'd like to have another glass of wine before their glass is empty. And they say yes or no, but it's a different scenario because people come into restaurants to eat and drink. (laughs) So you're not attacking, you know, random strangers in the Whole Foods parking lot asking them to buy a lipstick. Um, so that's a pretty normal thing. And it's not predatory because you're simply offering something. It's not a forced situation. They say yes or no. Perfect. 
Um, I would say to cross it with something like Mary Kate, um, you're in a situation where perhaps you throw a party for people and I can't imagine, I, I have to just guess that there must be all types of people that have agreed to come. There's probably plenty of people who uh, don't have any money um, to purchase anything, but you still kind of hound them. Like, well, if you purchase, you know, these three products, it'll be on a discount and you'll get a free lip gloss or something like this. And it's the, the verbiage that you use is just much more aggressive. And now you're, you're definitely selling something that people don't need. And then in some cases, maybe they've been talked into something they don't want to be a part of. Um, I definitely did not throw any, um, you know, free facial parties or anything like that, that people didn't know exactly what was happening. Um, and I didn't invite the people. It was another person that invited the one that was the largest number that I threw, but it's just a different way of doing things. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> no, it, of course, it absolutely helps. Um, I ask because one of the people that we interviewed is a business professor, and he's now uh, like a, a college provost of a university in New Jersey. And he said that uh, a lot of students are intimidated by going into sales because the, you know, sort of the conventional wisdom says that getting into sales is really hard and it takes a really thick skin to for someone to just be out there ringing the next doorbell making the next phone call and students really like aren't interested in this because it's hard and because he works with a lot of people who um, of the companies who recruit on campus and the difference the major glaring difference is that MLMs say that it's so easy that anyone can do this and they never use the word sales as a verb or a noun and they just say anyone can do it. Anyone can do that, do it. And they just beat that home and it's crazy. And although they don't give any type of training, like were you trained at all on how to connect with people and sell to them or... Or no. I'd say barely, but I'd say I already knew how because I'd been in restaurants for so long. And then right. since you mentioned all of that, I have to say, um, when I started in solar, I was just a sales rep. And it is incredibly difficult to do in-home sales. These are leads. These are appointments that are handed to, handed to you. There's a call center. They, they make random phone calls. So they take the brunt of the angry people that want to hang up on the telemarketer. No big deal. It's fine. It's just part of how it's part of consumerism. Um, and they set an appointment for you and you go to a house. And I would say, at least here in California, the average person who works in solar only closes um, about... 25 to 40% of their appointments. And so you can be two types of people. You can take, you could take five appointments and you know, you're only going to close one to two of them and you can be okay with that. Or if you go to all these appointments where you're not being paid, because oftentimes as a sales rep in this form of job, there is no base salary or hourly wage. Yeah, it's, it's all commission. Draw on commission for sure. It's all commission. It can be really disheartening. It is absolutely a roller coaster. It's very emotional. Um, and it 
I had, I had some hard times in the beginning, but I did become very good at it because I do genuinely care about people and the environment. And I'm very good at connecting with people. You know, I, uh, I don't know how to explain, um, but, but it, it is very difficult to do sales. You, you just really have to, to tell yourself, like, I made two sales already this week. The next three I take are probably going to be no goes just so you don't get down on yourself. And, and that's the way a smart person would do a job like that to make sure that they keep their, their positivity and their energy high, because you can't sell anything if your energy or your, or your negative or whatever. So, um, all of that makes a lot of sense to me. Very, very different from, from restaurants, but absolutely a, a higher, more aggressive sales game still with in-home sales, any type of contract work. It's a lot of effort. Um, but still it's people who have set appointments knowing that a, a stranger, a salesperson is going to come into their house and educate them on a product and then they can decide whether or not they're interested. So, and none of that was ever, none of that messaging was ever given to you from an MLM. There was no messaging of like, Hey, listen, this is tough. Like get back out there. You'll get oh, sure, one. No, no for every, okay. You'll get one. Yes. No, for every six. I, no's. I this because I ended up being very, very good at solar sales. So I then managed the office that I began working at and I trained people how to sell solar. And it was my job to keep my sales reps positive during the negative time to give them a pep talk or take them to lunch or whatever it is that they needed to feel better. But I never once even told my own guys, it's mostly a male industry for solar sales. Um, I never once told anybody, Hey, this is a piece of cake. I'm like, no way. It's going to be hard. You're going to start out. But if you, if you stay positive and you know, and you, you stay educated on what's going on with uh, everything over here with, with PG&E, with electric bills, with, uh, you know, solar products and things like that, you're going to be successful and you are going to make money. And that is the truth. So, uh, and that's the thing. And I, right now I sound like a salesperson and I'm okay with that because it's something I believe in. It's not an overpriced lip gloss. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, the more conversations I have with, with people, um, like yourself that are on the other end of this now, what we hear is just that if you don't get if you don't harness lightning in a bottle in that first six weeks, those first two months in an MLM, they're done with you. They divest, oh, yeah. they divest all of the the friendliness and the the faux pump ups and the sisterhood, like all of that gets rescinded. They do not shine their light on you anymore and you're out. And but what's crazy is that it's a complete fluke like there there is no there's no method to success there is no path to success because there's no there's no help there's no assistance there's no guidance there's no one teaching you how to sell and you said it yourself sales is really hard I've never worked in sales before I know that's because I would suck at it like it's really <laughs> hard so that's um that's really interesting. We haven't had this perspective before. So this is really great that you can um, share this with us. Um, maybe we can bring it home. Like, what is your opinion of MLMs now? And do you caution others against it? I mean, obviously, you're going on record on a podcast. So obviously, you're cautioning others against it. But do you give unsolicited advice? Like, 
are you that person that shuts people down on Facebook? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't give unsolicited advice because uh, remember, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm the scroller. I'm looking at, um, at pictures of my nieces and nephews. I have, um, a lot of nieces and nephews. There's 11 total. So, you know, I'm looking at things like that. I, I don't, I don't aggressively attack other people about it, but I, have definitely shared my opinions with a few people. Um, I, I did mention I was, I recently was invited over to a house party with wine and et cetera. And it turned out to be an Arbon party. And, um, the girl has been, you know, messaging me frequently and I just don't respond. But what makes me most sad is the person who invited me is, um, her best friend from high school. And she's been harassing her regularly about joining her or watching videos or listening to some type of recording to try and convince her to come join her team, you know, be a part of her downline. And she sent me some screenshots of the text messages because she's, she says she's too nice and she doesn't know how to speak to her friends. Um, but the the way that this Arbon girl, who's who's kind of brand new in it, it's only been a couple of months, she's she's very negative. Like, well, you won't have to do this job anymore, and you could send your daughter to college, you know, and your your husband won't have to work in a restaurant, and you won't have to live in that neighborhood, and you could take these type of vacations. For me, that's a negative. That's that's telling somebody that um, your life's not good enough. You don't have enough money. Your car's not nice enough. You don't live in a nice enough neighborhood. You don't actually want to work at that nine to five job, do you? You know, it's, it's just really odd to me. I think it's a really odd way to approach people. I'm sure that this is a, a script-ish something that this woman is sending these text messages to her, to her former best friend to, but it's really disheartening because I can see her going through that, that same pain, but probably worse than I did even. Uh, because it's somebody that she thought she knew. And now she's just, this is what she's experiencing. And, and her, her, you know, her former best friend has been brainwashed by a company. And I, I'm just trying to help her. I'm trying to guide her. And, and just, I'm like, you have to be firm. You have to tell her no. <laughs> don't, don't watch any videos. Tell her you're done. You're very happy with your job. And you're very happy with your neighborhood and all those things. <laughs> I can't imagine my best friend and I not speaking anymore over something as trivial as a face wash company. Like the, it's sure. terrible. Um, or being targeted about your weight. You could really use this 30 day cleanse. What are you trying to say? What are you saying? <laughs> not friendly. <laughs> no, you know, all of those products that Arbonne sells, everything from the face wash to the eye makeup remover to the protein powder. Like I can go buy all of those things at Target for a lot cheaper. And I don't have someone who wants to become my unsolicited life coach also, because that's right. what these Arbonne distributors are saying. It's like, I can just, I can be your life coach now. And you're like, I don't need a life coach. Like I just need some eye makeup remover, like calm down. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very troublesome. Maybe some of us do need life coaches, but we need a life coach from somebody who's actually got some, some training with, you know, 
yeah. you know, development and, uh, and social interactions who's... and things like that. Not someone who wants you to buy their protein shake and their face wash. So. Right. So they can just get a car out of it and like, you know, annoy me on social media. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you? Anything that, as you said, this happened a long time ago. Anything that's jogged your memory that you think would be... No, no, <laughs> no. Okay, you're no, good. We definitely, we definitely covered it. We just, you know, it's just certainly there's there's either either with all the MLMs, they're all offering something different. And I, I would say that with some of the MLMs that don't require you to carry a store, that that's that that's helpful. But those are the ones that seem to be the most cult like. So either a you're going to be filing for bankruptcy. Uh, B, you've joined a cult, or C, you're going to lose um, every close friend you've ever had because you're going to be annoying the hell out of them. So, you know, which, whichever MLM you choose, you're going to find yourself in one of these horrible places or maybe all three. So, <laughs> um, Tiffany, you are the coolest. Um, thank you so, so, so much. You too. Bye. Bye. 